You know, over the last several weeks, we've been on a series entitled Hindsight 2020. And what we've been doing is looking to the scriptures and considering what the word says about where we've been. But more importantly, what it defines for us for where we're going. Do you believe that God has something great in store for you? Do you believe that God has exceedingly abundantly above and beyond what you could ask or think? Do you believe that? Then are you expecting God's word today? You're expecting God to speak to you? Then say this with me if you believe that. Say, I have ears to hear. I have eyes that perceive. And I have a heart that's ready to understand and receive the living word of God. Now, come on, now, we're celebrating the Word of God and what it's about to do in our lives. You know, in a year like the one that is coming to a close, and not just this year, but just in general, because for some of us, we still look backwards, it's important that we process through the past correctly, that we maintain a proper view of it. You know, it's been said that hindsight is always 2020. The meaning behind that is that the past is always clear when we look back. But if that is to be true for us, and we are to move onward and live forward, we can only do so if we have clarity from God. If we rightly understand the past and move ahead from it. And so it reminds me of a story I once heard of these two monks who were on a long journey. And while they're on this journey, they're, 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 they're heading in a, the same direction. They're walking together. And these two monks were of the strictest order of, I don't know, whatever you call it, monkhood, right? These guys are of the strictest order. So strict was the order that they uh, followed that they, were not only, uh, they not only took an oath to celibacy, these guys took it a step further and took an oath to never look at nor touch a woman in their lives. And so while they're walking on this journey, they, they, they come across a, a raging river. And they're about to cross over it, and they're resisting to do so, but out of the corner of their eye, they happen to see a woman. But not just anyone. She's a small, petite, but beautiful woman. And because she's so small and light, she's struggling to get across this river because the, the current is so strong. And so one of the monks walks over to her, and he says, My lady... Would you permit me to carry you across? And she says, please. And so he picks her up, he carries her, he sets her down, and he continues on his journey for many miles in silence with his fellow monk. And finally, the, the silence is broken by his fellow monk who, with, with great uh, um, urgency and, 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 and much uh, uh, worry, he, he says, we took an oath. We're of the strictest order of monkhood, and we took an oath not only to celibacy, but to never look at or touch a woman in our lives. And yet you picked that woman up and you carried her. And he says, yes, my friend, I did carry her, but I put her down. But you're still carrying her. Now, I want you to think about something here. The reason why I share this is because in a year that proved to be full of challenges, look, in the midst of a life that's proven to be full of challenges. It's crucial that we end it. It's crucial that we put it down. It's crucial that we let it go. It's crucial that we release it for the benefit of doing what God has called us to, to move on. Thus, if we're to move on from this past year, if we're to move on from our past, we must look to God. We must draw strength from God to let go of it so that we can look to the future with hope, break free, 
and actually take steps forward. As we bring this series to a close and we close out this year, I'd like to talk to you today on the topic, where you've been is not where you're going. I'm going to say that again. Where you've been is not where you're going. Now, the past in and of itself has no power. Look, it's no secret that the past has a way of creeping into our lives if we allow it. It can loom in our lives like an unrelenting taskmaster. It can stagnate us. It can mar our vision for the present and the future. It can hold us captive. But the reason why I say that the past in and of itself has no power, let me put it to you this way, that while the past can be a powerful deterrent, it is powerless. And the reason why I say that is, is because for some of us, the past is not past at all. It is present. See, it's not simply a matter of where we've been in this past year and in life. It's a matter of where we are and where we are going because we're still there. And that, my friend, is a choice. That is a choice. Your past has no hold on you. The only hold your past has upon you is because you embrace it. It's because you hold to it. And so for some of us, we have to get past this point of the past because we're not there that we believe we are. Now, the scripture provides us a brief biblical account of the life of a man named Jabez. His name, by definition, was directly tied not only to the circumstances related to his birth, but it also paved a way, it defined a destiny for him. In Hebrew, the equivalent for Jabez's name means he causes pain. He causes pain. Can you imagine being named that? Can you imagine every time you hear your name, because you understand what your, what your name means, that you, 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 you equate it with not just having brought pain to your mother, but that you will be a pain for the rest of your life, that you will inflict pain? I dare say that many of us, we would be wise enough, if not all of us, to change our name. But you see, in those days, the naming of a child carried destiny. So his name not only alluded to the likely, to, 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 to the difficulty of the painful birth that his mother endured, it also pronounced and decreed a difficult road ahead of him. And yet, his life up until this point in this encounter that we're about to see that he had with God could not define or stop the path that God had ahead for him. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Chronicles chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 9 and 10. Now, what's interesting is that you will only see the life of Count of Jabez in these two verses. And the brevity of his, uh, of his of, and summation of his life, I don't believe is deduced to two verses because it was insignificant. I believe it's because it's straight to the point. It teaches us something powerful. His life is summed up in these two verses. Listen to 1 Chronicles chapter 4. We'll start at verse 9. It says, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called him Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. 
Now, the writer of these chronicles tells us that Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. But you see, the English translation here misses a critical piece to Jabez's, Jabez's life by misinterpretation of what the Hebrew actually states. What the Hebrew actually states here is that Jabez was more honored than his brothers. That's a big difference. See, that honor was surprising given his naming and the path that it had paved for him up until this moment when he encountered God. You see, Jabez was named for pain. Jabez was named to be a pain. And yet, as his story unfolded, the pain that surrounded his birth and scarred his life was not what was to define his latter years. Jabez prayed and God transformed his situation from cursing and pain to blessing and joy. And so in essence, what the scriptures reveal here is not that Jabez was more honorable among, than his brothers. That, in other words, that he was better than them or had a higher moral upstanding. Instead, what the scriptures reveal here is that he was honored more so than them by God. And in light of what we know of his life, we must question, why would God honor him above his brothers, above his family, above his countrymen? And our answer lies in Jabez's prayer unto God. Listen to it again. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. You know, years ago, there was a book written about Jabez's prayer. And the writing of this book connoted it implied that praying this prayer was a means to unleash the blessing of God by simply reciting these words. But you see, the author missed the point of this moment in history as recorded in the Bible. See, his words are not some mystical method of prayer to access God's blessing. It doesn't work that way. Instead, what his words and his prayer reveal is the amazing truth that God has the awesome power to change a person's destination from cursing to blessing, from pain to promise, from difficult past to an amazing future and an amazing present, a present that leads to destiny and takes you farther, further, greater than what you think God can do in your life. And so Jabez reached a place in life where he came to believe that God could and God would bless him in spite of his circumstances and that his pain and the pain he caused would no longer determine the direction of his life. As a result, God honored him because his belief was aligned with God's purpose and will for all men. Listen closely, my friend. Whether you know Jesus or not, whether you're trying Jesus or you're just on the fringes, whether you're knee-deep into this and you're trusting God and believing God, I want you to consider what we see from the life of Jabez. God's will is to bless you, to increase your territory, to heal you of your pain, to give you a better tomorrow, and to change your present circumstances. 
See, like Jabez, you too can move past 2020. You too can move on from your past. You too can break free from a life of pain. You too can see better tomorrows. But to do so, you must make the choice that Jabez made. You must choose to negate the power of your past. You must choose to turn to God. And you must choose to boldly believe for a new destiny according to God's revealed purposes for you. My prayer with all sincerity of heart is that the, the, Jabez's prayer becomes more than words that you recite. I pray that they become the hope of your heart and the orientation of your life. Because when they do, you will discover all that God has in store for you. And as the scripture says, your latter days will be better than your former ones. God has good things for you. And so today I want to leave you with just three simple things to consider from God's word. I want you to consider some things directly from God's word that will help you to get where you're meant to go. To move from where you've been, to break free from where you've been, so that it doesn't determine where you're going. You know, the first thing I want to leave you with here is that there's good in goodbye. I'm going to say that again. There is good in goodbye. Somebody say goodbye. I pray you say goodbye. If you're online, I pray you're typing this right now. You say goodbye. There is good in goodbye. One of the hardest things for most people is letting go of the past. It's like we find it hard to say goodbye to pain, to trauma, to difficult circumstances, to the trying that we endured in trying times. But when you refuse to say goodbye to the past, you miss the good in goodbye. I don't want you to take my word for it. I'm not here to pump you up. I'm here to point you to God's word. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 tells us about the good in saying goodbye. It says, do not remember the former things. I'm going to say that again. Do not remember the former things. Listen, nor consider the things of old. Verse 19, behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Watch this. Shall you not know it? In other words, isn't it meant for you? Don't you know what I have for you? Shall you not know this? This is for you. And so he says, shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness. Now, I want you to consider the wilderness because if you go back to Exodus, what you'll see is that the people of Israel walked around in the wilderness. And here's what they did in the wilderness. They walked around in circles. They could not find their way. And so watch what God says. He says, I will even make a road in the wilderness. I'll show you the way. I'll show you the path. And rivers in the desert. In places where rivers are not meant to be, God will establish for you. He will bring up a spring of living water that will lead you to greater things. And so as hard as letting go of the past may seem, God says it's possible. You know, it's easy to tune out God and what he's saying right here in these verses. Because for so many of us, we still remember the former things. For some of you, I'm, I'm sure that you're... You're just thinking about former things, but have you ever stopped to ponder why you still remember them? Have you ever stopped to ponder why you can't forget them? You know, for some of us, we're thinking, how can I ever forget? 
How can I forget your infidelity? How can I forget the betrayal of those who say they love me? How can I forget my faults uh, before God because they still persist even now? How can I forget those painful moments? How can I let go of the past? How do you do that? How is it possible? And to you, I simply say, you can. You see, God is gracious. He does not leave us without an answer in these verses. He doesn't just leave us, leave us at the point where he says, forget the past. He tells us how. And therefore, he provides us a pathway to letting go of the past by telling us simply this, that we are to no longer consider the things of old. See, that's the key. That word consider in the Hebrew means this. It means to draw discernment. In other words, to draw the details that enlighten you to what's actually happening, what's going on. It's a, it also means to draw insight, to get Intimate details, secret details, things that are unknown to other people. And then it also tells us that that word consider means to draw understanding, to draw not just wisdom, but to perceive how this wisdom is applicable in and through your life. And so God is saying here to you and I, when he says, do not consider the things of all, he's saying, do not look to the past as the tool by which you discern your present circumstances. Do not look to the past as the means by which you anticipate what's ahead. He's saying, do not look to the past to gain accurate and intimate details to understand what's actually going on. He's saying, do not look to the past to understand what I am doing and where I am taking you. See, if you were to ever move on from where you've been to where God has intended for you and I, it cannot be by a reliance upon that which God tells you is now useless. He calls it old. He calls the past old things. And he says, that's not where you belong. He says, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now the scripture says this in the book of Ecclesiastes, that there's no new thing under the sun. So it's not that God's doing something new. God has done his part. But it's new because whatever God does doesn't grow old. It does not lose its luster. It does not lose its power. And it's new for us because we have to endeavor to discover it. That makes sense? And so I remember um, years ago when we started the church, when we, when we launched out to start the church a little over six years ago, uh, we were in ministry, in youth ministry specifically, for about seven years. And let me tell you, it was amazing years. It was I mean, great years. God, we just did so much growing. We saw God move in the lives of youth. We saw God restore families. We, 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 we were able to grow kids in such a mature and healthy way. They were able to step out and do different things and share their faith in different ways. It was just a, a beautiful uh, season of our lives. And so when the time came to leave, to shift, we both began to sense something. My wife she, she knew what God was saying. I knew what God was saying, but I kept convincing myself that God wasn't speaking. My, my response was, I'll pray about it. And I wasn't doing any praying, to be honest with you. You see, for me, my excuse was God, but there's so much good here. We're walking in our anointing. We're seeing you move, God. You're, you're, you're using us, God. You're impacting lives, God. You're, you're, you're rejuvenating and refreshing and restoring and building the faith of these young people. You're doing amazing things, God. This can't be you. And on three different occasions, God showed me something. 
And on two of them, I felt completely out of place all of a sudden. And I said, God, is this is my season up? Is our season up here? And both those times I told myself, nah, this is just me. Stop thinking like that. The third time was in December of 2013. And at that moment, I understood, when I understood that God was calling us, I did something. And we took that step. I did something that to many people uh, didn't make any sense. To people that knew us then, it almost appeared like we were cold and callous, like we didn't care. I'll tell you what I mean. You see, my heart was there. My, my, my affection for these kids and these families and this church was there. But so much was my care and my concern and my love that I was looking backwards and resisting God's call to move forward. And so I did something without explanation to anyone. I cut the cord. And there were many people that misunderstood what happened. There was a lot of people that said, oh, something must have happened. What happened? What happened? What happened? And my response was always, nothing happened. God called us. And you see, people didn't understand that. But if you are ever to go from where you've been to where God is calling you to, you have to see the good in goodbye. You have to see that if God has told you to move, it's a good thing regardless what your emotions tell you, regardless whether it makes sense or not. You know, Alexander the Great was a great warrior in history. I mean, they, to this day, they teach uh, uh, they, they study his battle tactics and they use them in military uh, uh, warfare. And so Alexander the Great, according to what history uh, says, when it came time, he had conquered much, and, but then there came a time where he set his eyes upon Persia. And what he want, in, in order to get there, he had to take 120 ships to travel there. He took about 80,000 men. And when he landed in Persia, when they, when they, when they set foot in Persia, the first thing that... Uh, Alexander did, according to what, what uh, historians say, was he took his spear and he planted it in the ground and he gave thanks for this land. But then he did something interesting. His first command, his first order of business, he looked at his soldiers and they were all there standing and they go, okay, now what? And he says, burn the ships. And they said, how are we going to get out of here? What's, what's our mode to leave from here? How's, we, we can't burn the ships. They're our greatest asset. And, he, and his response is very telling, and it teaches us something. He said to them, we will leave here on Persian ships. Let me tell you what he knew. There's only one direction to go. It's forward. And let me encourage you, my friend, don't give your, pants, your past the chance to hold you. Don't give your past the chance to control you. Burn that ship. Burn it. Stop looking back at 2020. Stop looking back at your emotional responses. Stop looking back at your experiences. Stop holding on to trauma. Stop rehearsing it over and over again. I'm going to tell you why. Because according to Isaiah 43, you are beholding the wrong thing. You are holding the wrong thing. You are holding on to what's behind you and you're trying to get ahead. No wonder you keep tripping up. Listen, when you let go of the past, you give God room to work. The second point I want to leave you with is this, that when you let go of the past, you give God room to work. Jabez and his brothers were all cut from the same cloth. 
They were all the Israelites. They were all chosen of God. They were God's chosen people. In other words, they all had the opportunity to receive something from God, to enjoy the blessing of God. And yet we see something about them all from Jabez's encounter with God. The scripture says that Jabez was honored above all his brothers by God. In other words, Jabez enjoyed something with God that they didn't, that they couldn't. And the reason why that was so was because Jabez was willing to let go of his past for a better present and a short future. And in doing so, he made room for God's hand at work in his life. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, this is, a, this is one of those verses that many people uh, are familiar with. But there is a misconception among many followers of Christ as to what Jesus is getting at here as it relates to our topic today. The belief, that common belief, that, that misconception is that when you come to Jesus and as you continue upon your journey of faith, that you're supposed to bring him your pains, your weariness, and your burdens so that he can pick them up. So that he can take them off of you. But that's not what Jesus said at all. Notice to what he said. Notice what he says. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Who's carrying the weight? We are. And he says, watch this. Come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. See, he's not interested in picking up your past. He's interested in giving you your future. He's interested in giving you your healing. He's saying, you come to me. You let go of that past. You let go of that way. You let go of that com those complaints. You let go of your perception of your husband, of your wife, of your circumstances. You let go of the trauma. You let go of the pain. And instead, in its stead, take my yoke. Take my rest. Take peace. Because what I give you is not heavy at all. And then he says this, and learn from me. Nowhere in his instruction do we see Jesus taking on our burdens. Listen, Jesus took the weight of sin and, uh, and that was upon the entire world at the cross. It's already done. Can I encourage you something, my friends? Travel light. Travel light. Stop packing for life. Stop carrying this baggage. It's not yours to carry. Let it go. See, God can't do something new in you if you refuse to let go of your past. It's the reason why Jesus famously said, you can't put new wine into old wineskins. You know why? Because once wine has fermented in that wineskin, that, that wineskin is stretched to its limits. The moment you put new wine into it, it will stretch it beyond its capacity and it will burst it. Don't ruin what God wants to do in your life by trying to do the old and calling it brand new. You cannot repackage your past and expect good results. You can't. 
I heard a quote recently that said, if you let go a little, you will have a little happiness. If you let go a lot, you will have more happiness. But if you let go completely, you will be free. Listen, that's the goal. That's the life that God has promised you. Galatians 5 gives us a clear example that we are free and free indeed. And because we are free people, we are not to go back to that which is dead, that which is past. And so when you let go, you make room for God. Can I encourage you to let go? Go ahead and say, declare that with me if that's you. I'm letting go. I'm done with the past. I'm past 2020. I'm embracing a new beginning. I'm thanking God for better things. Come on now. The last thing I want to leave you with here is this. It's that sometimes letting go isn't the hard part. Rather, it's in learning to start over. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes letting go isn't the hard part. Rather, it's in learning to start over. Listen, sometimes the unknown details of what God has in store can drive you crazy. It can, it can, you can respond with anxiety. It can intimidate you because it's territory that you've never conquered. It's somewhere you've never been. Look, all his life, Jabez was accustomed and familiar with pain. He wasn't just, a he wasn't just accustomed to pain. He was accustomed to being a pain, to causing pain. He was familiar with the pain he inflicted. I imagine that wherever he went, whatever relationships he started upon, he anticipated failure. He anticipated breakups. He, he anticipated broken, a broken heart. He anticipated hurting people. You ever heard that saying, hurt people, hurt people? Yeah, it's true. That is absolutely true. It's the very reason why God tells us, don't hold on to the past. Don't go there. Behold the new thing I'm doing. And so in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10, I want you to notice that Jabez's prayer was not only for the blessing of God, it was also to bring an end to the pain he caused. In verse 10, he says that I might not cause pain. See, despite the fact that pain was all he knew, even in the midst of that pain, Jabez welcomed the opportunity to start over. He was open to God. He was open to something new. He was open to learning something new from God. See, while starting over may seem daunting, I get it. Man, when all you know is pain, when all you know is what you know and where you've been, it's hard to perceive anything better. As a matter of fact, it's easy to believe this is the best that God has to offer. This is the best that, I, that, I, that I'll ever receive in life. Can I tell you, my friend? There's a reason why the scripture says that God does exceedingly, abundantly, above, beyond what you could think or imagine according to the work that is, he is doing in you. My friend, I'm telling you right now that there is something better in store for you. And so while, while starting over may seem daunting, intimidating, even too hard, I ask you this question. What's the benefit to continuing to live with your past? What's the benefit to continue to living according to your past? 
See, instead of staying stuck in your past between a rock and a hard place, I dare you to believe God. I dare you to believe again. I dare you to envision more for your life. I dare you to see yourself healing. I dare you to believe that God can restore your broken marriage. I dare you to believe that God is the one who still promotes and that he has you in mind and that he's guiding you with his eye upon you because he knows the purposes and plans that he has for you. I dare you to step out of the box that you've created for God, that God's been breaking all the time. No wonder it's not working because God doesn't fit there. <laughs> Begin again. As we come to a close here and we stand, I want you to do something with me. I want us to consider God's word. I want you to consider what it takes to start over. I believe that somebody needs to hear this. I want you to consider what it takes to start with God. Because maybe you've been let down. Maybe the example you've been given hasn't been much of a godly one. So why would you want God? But I believe that for every single person here, there's a new beginning. It's always available every single day. It's a good thing. It's a place of joy. It's a path to leaving a legacy, to finding fulfillment for your life. It's God. And maybe you've given up on God. Maybe you don't turn to God much. Maybe you disbelieve God. But I'm here to tell you that God believes in you. God believes in his purposes and his plans for you. Listen to 1 Corinthians 2, starting at verse 9. It says, however as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. I want you to see that your path is prepared, that your healing is present, that the table is set and the invitation is before you. But you got to understand how this works. Notice that the scripture says that the spirit of God searches all things, even the deep things. That there are things that God has revealed to us by his spirit. In the book of Genesis, it, it gives us the picture, it depicts for us what happened in the very beginning when there was nothing. It said that the spirit of God brooded over all creation. That word brood there in the original Hebrew language depicts a hen who's nursing her chicks before they even come, before they hatch. And what she's doing is, is covering them, but as she's covering them, they're maturing, they're growing, they're stretching out, they're discovering, I have wings, I am strong, I can break out of this shell, I'm meant to soar, there's more in store for me than being here. And here's the thing, that the scripture here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says that the Spirit of God is searching all things. 
even the deep things. Where no one sees, but you know what's there. Because you deal with it day after day. Because you're holding on to it. The scripture says that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And I'm telling you that right now, in this holy moment, this anointed, this appointed moment with God, there is a searching, there is a stirring that is happening in your heart. It's the reason why you find yourself responding to God's word. It's the reason why you're thinking beyond your box. It's the reason why you're daring to look to God and saying, God, I haven't heard you. I don't know who you are. I, I, I've wondered where you are, but God, here I am. And if you could do it for Jabez, then God, I believe you can do it for me. <laughs> you may have endured pain. You may have inflicted pain. No matter your story, I want you to know that the end of your story is the best part of your story. Because just as God decreed over Jabez, the word of God decrees over you. So God granted him, so God granted her their request. Listen closely, my friend. Don't look upon your life with disdain. Don't look upon 2020 or your past with lament. Break free. Jesus Christ paid the price. And he has called you free and free indeed. Embrace the truth of God. Amen? Amen. So I want us to do something today. Come on, we could do better than that. God is worthy. God is good. God is working in your midst. He's searching your heart right now. And so I want you to take 30 seconds with us. I want you to close your eyes, close off everything, cut everything off, and consider the good and goodbye. Hear the word of God to you. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. A new thing. And now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? Shall you not see my word come to pass? I even make a road in the wilderness. No longer will you meander and follow a path that leads you in circles. No, no, no. I'm giving you the path. I am the way. I am the truth. I am your life. And I'm establishing rivers in the desert, in those dry places. My friend, God's word to you today is simple. Where you've been is not where you're going. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.